Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Youth Vibes. I'm Daniel Sule. We talk a lot on this show about the importance of having an entrepreneurial spirit and creating value where you find yourself, and rightly so. This week, we talk about what we do when we find ourselves working in corporate environments and within less formal settings. Mrs. Toy Numar is the founder and proprietor of Pearlfield School and a lecturer of literature in English at the Plateau State University. Welcome to Youth Vibes, Ma. Thank you very much, Lenny. Glad to have you. Mr. Toby Salau is back on the show. He is the program director at Crudan. And he, I mean, he's a, he's a regular on the show. We love, we love talking to you, Uncle Toby. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Uncle Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for always coming on. Um, these, both, these people both work in a variety of settings, both formal and informal. And this week, they'll be speaking about the importance of being a Christian wherever you find yourself, but particularly in the scenes where you work. Joshua Batsi and Dalipa Gwari are back to host this episode of Youth Vibes. Enjoy the show. Thank you very much. Um, it's quite a privilege to be back on the show to have an interesting conversation with Uncle, with Uncle Toby and Antitoin. Thanks for honoring our invitation. And Thank you for having us. Fortunately for me, I have... No, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know you expected the PINNY, but now I'm, I'm just daddy part now. <laughs> I've been waiting to hear that. No, That's your intro. But... It's, a, it's a new year. We've turned over a new leaf. <laughs> All right. Um, so um, in, in, the, in the introduction, we heard what um, our guests do. So we're going to be building on that and hearing more from them what it is like, what it is they do actually, what their work entails. So we'll start from um, on Kutubi. So tell us a little more about your work, what you do. Okay. Um, hello again, everyone. Uh, it's an honor to be here, truly. I am a development worker. Um, I work with a faith-based national non-governmental organization known as CRUDAN. Christian Rural and Urban Development Association of Nigeria. Um, I direct programs and we have a couple of programs that we do that manifest themselves as projects. So from peace building projects to humanitarian response to uh, projects around governance and justice, projects around um, disaster response and management and those kind of things. So we work with rural communities, work in urban centers, we carry out lots of capacity building initiatives for government agencies, CSOs, and civil society organizations, other faith-based organizations, and the list goes on and on. So we work across board uh, from urban to rural and um, communities. We help communities to even develop, to even develop, uh, beg your pardon, community development plans. Uh, those are some of the things we do. So we have partners that support our work. Uh, we have quite a number of international partners, development partners that support the work that um, Crudan does. Wow. After hearing what you do, I think <laughs> you, the question should, to have asked is, what don't you do? <laughs> <laughs> it appears you do everything. Yeah. You work no, with rural, everything. work with urban, yes. work with non-governmental, work with yeah. government. Yes, yeah, every. Yeah. So thank you very much for, for breaking exactly what you do down. Well, so we're we'll building on that. And... Yuma, how about you? Thank you very much. I will start with the what I began with, and that um, is teaching. Oh, nice. Yes. I have been in the profession for the past 25 years. 
Ooh. counting. Wow. And <laughs> she taught me English literature in my GSS one. <laughs> So that our listeners can, can so it's an honor for me to be on the same set with you, man. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I started with secondary school, mm. but currently I'm at the Plateau State University. Oh. Yes, the Department of English, and I teach literature in Ooh, English. Nice. Yes. That should be my favorite subject. Oh, wow. Mm. That's good. Yes. <laughs> good to know. I always view literature as that hard thing they do with Shakespeare books. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so hard. I couldn't start physics. Think about it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> A very good comparison. <laughs> yes. I'm also a school administrator. I ventured into that some... Uh, 12, 13 years ago, when I started a school in Nigerian Primary School. The school is still running and nice. it's thriving. Oh, yes. Nice. Yeah. Located at Basa in Plateau State. And, well, I've been combining both. Hmm. I've been combining both. Uh, that's lecturing and running the school, also pursuing further studies, hmm. wow. research, wow. and Generally, having my hands full, full. I yes. should not. We're all within the field, the same field of education. So I'm an educationist. Okay. Um, to the core. <laughs> I think for it's also appropriate for us to ask, what don't you do as well? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at him like, wow. There's a lot to <laughs> she summarized it to be educationist, but in there there is administrator. Yeah. In there there is teacher. Mm-hmm. There is um counselor researcher researcher yes because she said further studies so there's everything just a mix of everything and everything by doing everything it means you mix with you you get to interact with everyone yeah young middle age old certainly parents teachers students (laughs) (laughs) from the cradle down to because postgraduate studies is older people, mm-hmm. just everyone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, your lecturers, all that. Um, okay, this is a little bit out of what we had discussed earlier, but I wanted to ask if there was like a specific moment in your work where you realized that your work was not just a job, but a way to live out your faith. Yeah, Uncle Toby. Okay. Um, wow, a specific moment. I, I think more in my recent um, career life hmm. uh, than the earlier part. I think initially okay. I was I was more of trying to make a living. I was just hustling. So it's not like I didn't know that I was supposed to leave out my call yeah. and the job. Mm-hmm. But that consciousness was not really there. But I think that what really helped me was the kind of messaging that came out from the church where I worship. That's Equa Church here. Um, it brought that consciousness, uh, especially, uh, particularly the years 2009-10, yeah. when we began to host the transformation conferences. And um, those really stood out. You know, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Mm. Those were times that I began to rethink what my call really, 
you know, was and yeah. how I was going to leave it out. So, yeah, at that point, that consciousness began to really dawn. And, of course, in the recent um, six years, particularly, I, I found myself um, having that understanding and leaving it out in, even in my current job. Right. So um, the advantage of that for me at this level is that I work with a faith based faith based organization, like I had said. And we actually one of the flagship programs of Crudan is actually what is called Integral Mission. Hmm. Um, integral Mission is from the word integer. That means one wholeness. Yeah. Uh, it has to do with the proclamation of the gospel and the demonstration of the gospel. So one of the things we actually do with churches is to awaken the church to their role of demonstration and proclamation. Because mostly churches do proclamation of the gospel, but yeah. the demonstration aspect oftentimes is, is, is either very minimal or is left out completely. And so imagine you are working in that kind of a space. Mm. So it helped me to put my job in a proper perspective that I'm not just doing this for the church, but I also have need to have, I also needed to have that consciousness personally yes. that my work is, this job is to fulfill my work, which okay. I see as my core. All right. So when I stand before people and I'm training, even my examples and stuff I do, I use, I know that this is my work. Mm. For sometimes I, I'm done in a training session, I'm really excited. I feel like this is why God made me. <laughs> do you understand? I yeah. feel very excited. I'm, I'm dealing with high caliber people, but I know that this is, this is what I'm made for, right? Mm. Yeah. So I'm earning a pay. I'm doing the job. I feel time sheet and all that. Yeah. But I know that this is my call. All right. And mm -hmm. I think that for me, that's, that's a perspective. So I'm able to identify that there is actually a difference between your work and your job and work in this context as what God has called you to do. Your job is the expression of fulfilling it yeah. or your work, regardless of where you currently earn salary. Hmm. Um, your work is consistent, except yeah. God changes it. But your job can change. You can, some people change jobs, like five jobs in five years. Mm -hmm. That's a job. Yeah. But your work, your life's call is your life's call. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Ma? Okay. So I would like to compare, um, occupation with pre-occupation. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think, wow. um, I, I started out knowing that I was preoccupied. Mm. Okay. Mm with the back calling to be a teacher okay i started out like that and it was it was uncommon at the time because almost everybody was in there because there was no alternative mm. yes. they just had to just take what they had yeah for me it was quite different very very different i even had opportunities to explore other things yeah okay that could have given me more money of mm. course mm. okay and but i didn't think i didn't even think twice before i said no <sighs> to the offers because i just knew i found myself where i was genuinely preoccupied yeah where i really loved what i was doing mm. and i i was good at doing it too and i i knew it so i loved it i found fulfillment in it so mm. I never considered any other occupation. I didn't consider anything else other than teaching. I knew I was not supposed to leave education. Mm. <laughs> that whether as a lecturer, as a school administrator, yeah. or as a secondary school teacher, I just knew I could not afford to leave 
That's teaching that, yes, mm. because I was going to miss it. Wow. Yeah, well, it, it preoccupied me. I think I knew that that was what I wanted to do when I sleep in when <laughs> or when I'm awake. I just knew this is what I do. This is what I love to do. This is what I want to do, mm. and this is where I find find fulfillment. This is also where I find the opportunity to actually touch lives to make a difference. And I didn't take it for granted for one day. Mm. I never wow. did. Oh, wow. One thing is coming from both your responses, the fact that you know that what you are doing is what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. You know that this is the work God has placed in your hand to do. Mm-hmm. I is quite unfortunate that nowadays a good number of people are doing what they are doing because that's where they get food from. They are doing True. to put food on their table. Yeah. How did you find, how did you get to the point where you realized that beyond putting food on the table, like, how did you come about it? At what point did you realize when you were talking on October, you said in the past six years. So before then, when you were still hustling. <laughs> so what how did you what was that turning point? Yeah. Well well, you know, I, I I kind of mentioned the turning point when the kind of messaging and messages that I began to hear mm. began to influence my life around my role in Kingdom Come. My role in, in ensuring that the will of God as it is done in heaven is done on earth. I know that that thing sounds very spiritual and very high sounding, <laughs> but it's true. There is a will of God that is done in heaven. In fact, in heaven, the only thing that is done there is God's will. But on earth is not done there. Yeah. And I have a responsibility to ensure that what is being done on earth is the will of God. Hmm. And so when that consciousness came, I began to see even the job that I did differently. I began to see that I have a role in helping, for example, to shape the mindset of people, yeah. to begin to think kingdom, to begin to think Christ, to mm. begin to think positivity, to begin to think sustainability, to begin to think, you know, being constructive rather than just being a neutral guy, just being a happy guy, just, just working for money or whatever. There are many people that work for money and i think right on this show i i gave at certain instances with myself and certain job offers that i got at certain point in my life and i did not take the jobs not because i did not need more money in fact what is interesting is that the way god does it right is that he brings those offers to you when you need them the most Mm. to test whether the impulses that you respond to are of the spirit of the flesh and that's how you really know so he doesn't say all those offers never came when i felt good about what i was it was at that low moment right and it's not every time that truly you're in the center of the will of god that you feel good about it that's the truth because elijah said god kill me (laughs) because jezebel wrote him a threat letter yeah and the guy wanted to die and he was hiding but he was in the will of God. That was what he was in that prophetic call of God. That yeah. was his work. But he still felt at a certain point that God, look, this thing, eh? even Jesus, your Jesus, mm. contemplated it. And that was why he was saying, look, if it is your will, let this cup pass over me. That means that sometimes we're at the center of God. So we're, we're, we're working out our call. 
but we don't feel very great about it. So there are also those moments so that we don't paint the picture as though every day you feel great <laughs> during your life call. No, yeah. sometimes you just don't feel like it. Yeah. And that's why I think the psalmist said, I will, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be upon me. Sometimes you don't feel like it, but all times we will do it. Mm. So that point came and I'm at that point where I believe that this line of work or this line of vocation, let me put it that way, um, is where God wants me to serve, but my work remains my work. Okay. So um, if I'm going to summarize what you just said, mm-hmm. it was from the word of God that you go, you knew that this is what you should be doing. So it didn't just come about. It was from from hearing the word, from reading the word, right. that you found out that there is a will of God that should be done on earth. That's right. And it is your it is your work to do that. That's right. And you found it. That's right. And it's not about. It's, and you mentioned something about it's not about being happy. That's not your yeah. mood. It's not. It doesn't depend on that. If not, we will not fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. Yeah. Because our moods, our happiness depends. Like someone said, happiness depends on the happenings. Uh, our joy comes from within. So if our mood detects how we fulfill God's purpose, then we're in trouble. Very because true. sometimes we yeah. truly don't just feel like feel it. like it. Yeah. Okay. So, Auntie Twain, what was okay. the point you realized that this is it? Well, well, quite early in my Christian work. I've um, I've known that one thing I've always longed for was fulfillment. In fact, mm. it's something that I live with. To have fulfillment, to fulfill purpose, and I, at some point in my life, I wanted to understand what it actually meant to fulfill purpose. Okay, to live purposefully. Yeah. Yes, I I wanted to understand it. Sometimes I felt I didn't get the right answers because I have been told sometimes that it's in your giftings mm. and sometimes we misinterpret what those giftings could be. Yeah. Uh, especially we, we tend to take them out of the context of every other thing. Mm-hmm. It's like they are just on their own. Yeah. They, when you talk about a gift, it's something you do, you can switch on and switch off. Mm. Okay. It's not really part of who you are. Mm. It's not really part of what you do. So somehow we find ourselves... Uh, uh, talking about the gift to sing, then you now see see that uh, ministry as separate from the work you do. It's like you have dual identity. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. So, but early early in life, I I got to understand that actually um, fulfilling purpose is basically living, okay, for God. And then living for God Living to please God, living to honor God. In, in short, it is the essence of our Christian Holy, living, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the only place I still, I, I repeat, the only place I found that I achieved that yeah. was through teaching. Wow. Mm. Yes. It's not something that I'm making up. It's something that I've even tried to point out to my staff in the school. Mm. Mm. To let them understand exactly how privileged they are, that they don't go, they don't have to go out there looking for purpose. Yeah, they are right within purpose because you must identify exactly that this is this what I'm doing is not just something I'm doing because I don't have a job, because I just need to at least make a living. No, it is more than that. It is about finding your essence. The essence of living within it, 
because you don't have another life kept somewhere and yeah. you will start living after you leave the job mm. okay so you are already living why don't you just make understand the need to live to actually live hmm. while at it while at at the job while while living, yes, it's not making money. To live while living. Yeah. <laughs> so that you yeah. segment your so life. That, into... Yes. You don't, not, you don't segment your this life. This one is for any. Time. This one is. Okay. You must discover purpose. And the earlier you do that, better. the better for you. I did. I, I'm grateful to God that I discovered it quite early enough in life. Mm. And I'm living with it. I understand it. And I'm, I'm happy. Mm. Well, I love that you view your work as worship in a, in in the true sense of it because you're living out your purpose even while mm-hmm. you work and that's very important. Um I wanted to ask because while Uncle Toby was talking, while we were also t- talking before we started recording, um there was this discussion about the Great Commission that's going out and sharing our faith, you know. And Uncle Toby was talking about how at his workplace, you know, his workplace is basically a faith-based place. So how do you see yourself fulfilling the Great Commission in your workplace? I think I'll start it and tell you. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Great Commission. Yeah. I think um, the mission itself is God's own, mm. okay? And it is his mission, and it is our commission. Mm-hmm. And I think the prefix com um, means with, okay, alongside, together. Yeah. That's the prefix Come, come, then mission. mission, mission. Yeah. Okay, so he owns the mission. mission. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He actually owns it, but he he has he, he wants us to work with him. Hmm. It's not something we can do on our own. It's God's initiative. Yeah. Hmm. It's not ours. Okay, and we must understand that much to know that okay, we are working with God. Mm. to fulfill a purpose yeah to achieve something okay yeah the work of transformation mm-hmm. salvation transformation so nice. okay where where it is not just about you working but it's about you making a difference mm. yeah it's about you actually turning things around mm. mm-hmm. okay impacting lives giving your best excellence Okay, and not, yeah. not, we're not, we, we often hear it's okay, integrity, honesty, yes, they are, they are good. Mm. But what about what you are adding to other people's lives? Mm. What are we adding to lives? What are we contributing? In what ways are we healing? Yeah. Mm. In what ways are we um, reconciling people? Okay, as in differences at places of work. In yes. what ways are we actually contributing to the positive narratives? Or the negative narratives, mm. as the case may be. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes we just find as um, a situation where we think that okay, work is work, and mission is mission. Mm. But work is actually mission. Mm, that's right. Yes, our work, the work we do, the the jobs that we are paid to do. Okay. Sometimes there are careers we chose ourselves. Sometimes mm. there are careers that we just find ourselves in. Right. You don't necessarily have to 
I've decided from the onset that this is what I want to be. Yeah. Sometimes situations push you in a different direction. Yeah. And you have to make the best of it. Mm. So you can't say, oh, this is not what I chose. And as a result, I will not put in my best. Mm-hmm. Once, once you find yourself doing it, whatever we do, we should do it to God's glory, right? Yeah. Mm. So once you find yourself in it, you understand what's at stake. Yeah. You understand that this is God's assignment that has been handed over to you and how well you do it is something that is quite significant in the sight of God. It is an art of worship. Hmm. Okay. So I think you just established that you don't separate work and God's mission, which we are supposed to pa- partner with Him to do it. Yes, wherever we find ourselves, whether it is the career of our choice or the career we find ourselves in, not by choice, whatever it is, as unto God. Yes. Thank you very much. You know, I, I wanted to add, right, that one of the things that has gotten us to even having to be hosting an episode to talk about this in the first place <laughs> is that there is a problem. Yeah. Right? Don't mm-hmm. we see that there's a problem? And the problem, right, is that there is this divide. You know, we've been talking about the sacred secular divide. Yeah. Around that, look, this is church. Let's talk. Let's be holy. <laughs> let's be God. Let's talk about the Bible. Let's talk about different things. But when, once we get out here, let's face reality. Hmm. Look, this is reality. You hear, see, first God aside. Bible, <laughs> how do you do it? <laughs> do you understand? Where do you go to that you do not breathe? Hmm. True. You breathe everywhere. Yeah. It's who you are. It's what you must do to survive. So, <clears throat> We must realize that, and one one of the things that I came to the realization of is the fact that there is no divide anywhere. Mm-hmm. Everything that I do has spiritual and eternal implications. Mm-hmm. Let me give a very crude example. I'm doing a master's in the University of Just. I had an exam on Saturday uh, because I'm doing a course that it was not my undergrad course so i had to take electives in 100 level tournaments so it was a, a, a 100 level course now seated next to me was a young girl in 100 level during this exam she's asking me questions wow so i looked at her and i said i just i shook my head and i i wish i could tell her that i, I know they talk for example you <laughs> what is not in my head cannot be in my paper yeah it's a principle no matter what it is so I got home and I was giving my wife the feedback that hmm, this is what happened on during this exam. She was like, "Sure, I know that me, I can't even try it, but that how do I want to say it tomorrow that I was talking in the exam hall? Mm. Do you understand? How mm. if so? If, imagine this was in her words. Imagine that lady now comes to SOV ladies camp. That's the ministry we do, yeah. and she sees me on the pulpit preaching, and she says, ah, "I see the God that gave her answer." <laughs> do you understand? <laughs> What is now more interesting is that beyond those reasons for not cheating mm. or for not do, doing my practice is the fact that I represent a kingdom. Yeah. And I, it doesn't matter where I am. Mm-hmm. Now, you may say, well, he's working in a faith-based organization. It's easy for him. Who told you that he's better than a non-faith-based organization? In many ways, it's not better. And I've worked in other settings before, so I have an idea. So when we talk about the Great Commission, what are we really talking about? So we're talking about making disciples essentially. Is yeah. that not go and make disciples of all and all that? I have found that if you if you truly love God and He's the object of your worship, of your life, of your living, you will not pretend when you're at work or at home. You will not need to be talking about 
uh, whether we should fulfill the Great Commission or not. It becomes a lifestyle for you. And by God's grace, I found my colleagues, both in the faith-based environment and other environments, tell me that somehow um, I've influenced their lives. Hmm. Indirectly, in fact, unknown to me. In fact, one of them said to me, this was very recently. He said, because we usually do money devotion at work and all, he said he looked forward to hearing my perspective on scriptural issues before he would share. <laughs> wow. I was like, hello, me, I'm just living my life, wow. I'm just talking. <laughs> but that day it occurred to me that, look, this is a big deal. Hmm. Look, every time we keep dividing sacred and spiritual, this is Bible-based, this is not Bible-based. God does not have uh, a part in this one. Let's be real. Every time we live like that, we will never be able to fulfill God's call for our life because it should be a natural thing. You don't teach the fish to exist in water. It is mm. habitat. Everywhere we are is a place for ministry. Everywhere. So, you know, in, in context, we're talking about our workplace today, right? Yes. Our jobs and mm-hmm. all. Beyond even the job, you are in the marketplace, such a unique opportunity for ministry. You are in the boss, it's such a unique place for ministry. You are online, you know, sometimes the consciousness of the Great Commission dawns on me and I ask myself, so what can I do now? I'm just mm-hmm. at home. So most times I just put it on my status. I don't know. I just put it there. I say Jesus saves. Sometimes I say Jesus still saves. If you are weary, if you are this, if you are this, you, you need help. In fact, there was a day I said, I say just, just DM me or something because I discovered that people really need help. Mm. But the reality of the fact that Jesus truly saves and provides help is now so much of a cliche that it has lost the value. So for me, it's the fact that everywhere I go, anything I do, it is, it is ministry. That's what it's supposed to be. And there's this concept, there's this misconception of ministry, right? That I felt, you know, when I got this invitation, I felt like that's one area to probably start. So the Bible says, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, that it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to do what? It says to prepare God's people mm. for the work of the ministry. Yeah. So, but if you ask me now, who is the ministry? You say your pastor. Mm-hmm. You see the apostle. You find when you greet them, say, Hi, Daddy, how is the ministry, sir? Mm. Oh, we bless the Lord. <laughs> it's not wrong, though. Yeah. But it's not the total truth. It's not the complete counsel. The complete counsel, sir, is that we, the lay people, are the ones in ministry. Their assignment is to, to prepare, prepare us for the work of the ministry. Yeah. So who is supposed to be ministering? Is the plumber? Is mm. the teacher? Is the development work? Is the worker? Is the carpenter? Is the graphics guy? The guy into UI UX? They are the ministry guys. The guy developing websites. Yeah. The engineers. They are the ones in ministry. That's what the Bible says. Mm. And that's why Jesus could confidently send fishermen, lay people, to say, go into the world. But he says they should tarry, that they will receive power. power. That is what helps us. You are a banker. It is that power that you need to receive that will help you that as you are smiling and exchanging pleasantries with customers, you are doing ministry. And you can put in a word there that can bless a person forever. 
as you are plaiting the hair as a as a hairdresser because you are the one in ministry yeah you are saying something you are plaiting the hair and you are saying kai this hairstyle you chose is you really make you pop it really make you beautiful mm. and as you are talking about the beauty you are talking about the kind of beauty that jesus adds to the life of people i'm saying that we should not divorce our endeavor from what God expects of us. Just like what Antitoni is saying, is that it is the total counsel of God and that is what we are called to do. Okay, thank you. So, um, Toby spoke a lot and in summary, earlier when he was speaking, he said that this divide that we create is, is not true, is not there. Yeah. That when, that when you love God, you forget that you, you, are, you know that there is no divide your whole life whether at work, you are sold out. You are sold out, and at every point, you are just about doing his will. So, um, and and can you tell, give us examples of some some instances where you reached out to to people in your space, that's in the education space, where you had the opportunity to reach out to to your to people at all levels, below, same level, above. Okay. Um. When Toby was talking, he spoke about uh, ministry, yeah. right? And somehow the orientation we have, at least most of us, what we have is the f- idea that ministry is um, is the pulpit mm-hmm. work, um, outreaches, that's evangelism, right? Mm. And possibly even social service ministries yeah. that uh-huh, or somehow at the back of our mind that is what ministry is it, that is what yeah. working for god mm-hmm. is yeah okay at the most maybe we will include some of the the, the responsibilities we carry out in, in church. the church mm-hmm. right it's okay ushering mm-hmm. uh, singing and the likes so that has a way of putting placing a limitation Okay, on what we actually try to do. Yeah. So most of the time, we find out that when we, whenever we hear about okay, we have to we have to minister, we have to reach out at our places of work. What comes to mind is possibly engaging colleagues most of the time in arguments. Mm. Mm. At the kind of argument that Paul <laughs> says ruins the listener, mm-hmm. yes. right? He uh, says we engage in argument. We want to just prove. To our listeners that look i am right and you are wrong. wrong yeah and then we do all this in vain because it does not achieve god's purpose at all mm-hmm. but take this scenario where somebody relies entirely on god's wisdom mm. to engage colleagues at work to engage clients mm. customers and engage them in discussions that will actually prom- promote some kind of um Curiosity, well, those people, they want to hear more, they want to know more. That God gives you the ability and the wisdom to know where to draw the line and know that, okay, no, at this point, I shouldn't say more than this, or mm. I shouldn't, I shouldn't allow this, um, discussion to spiral into an argument. Mm. But God has enables you to actually engage them and they listen and they contribute and, you, and they want to hear more. Mm. Okay. And you find yourself doing that. You, it's not by your, Strength is not by your wisdom, of it's course. Right. Yeah. Through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm, because if not for the wisdom that, or that is of God, most likely you will end up in an argument. Mm. Sure. 
Okay. And then you now discover, okay, I'm not, I don't want an argument. So how do I avoid this? So mm. when you, when you engage people in discussions that you know will lead to an argument, you know when to stop talking and mm. you know when to talk. Right. There's also something to avoid when you lose your respect mm. and the people can no longer listen to you because you, you get angry simply because they are not agreeing with your views. And then the, instead of, you have, you have, you've destroyed everything. So nobody wants to even engage nobody, you another no, time. You can't even start the conversation. The moment you start it, it's like an attack. And mm. they are ready. Defensive. Yes. They are, all, they, they are ready to give it back <laughs> and tell you that, no, you can't impose your views and mm. so on. So as believers, I think we've, we need to, to, to trust God to help us to understand how to go about this. To help us to understand where exactly, how do we actually contribute? And in my own case, as a lecturer, as a teacher, I found it, you know, it's easy for you as a teacher. Sometimes the students don't really have a choice. They have to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the advantage. <laughs> they just have to listen. Right. And sometimes they are genuinely looking for good counsel. Hmm. Genuinely. They really, really, they, they just, they may not appear so. Mm. They may look, they may, they, they have, their outward appearance may tell you uh, something different. But when you engage, somehow you get to know that, yes, this person was just waiting to be spoken to. Mm. And then they listen. That is for students. For um, my staff, I've also found it quite easy. And I found quite a number of them coming to me. Not just with their immediate problems. In fact, at some point, I told myself that I was a, a, an administrator. I was a counselor. I was a judge, of course. I, had <laughs> <laughs> I was a judge and a marriage counselor too. I've hmm. had occasions when it was the couple, the one that was my staff and the spouse yeah. that ended up in my office. And I had to start addressing issues. Wow. Yes. And, <laughs> and I had to start addressing those issues that they brought to me. And somehow I'm always grateful to God each time I see the marriage now mm. today. And I just mm, know yeah. that that was a marriage that was on the verge of, in fact, the husband, before he left my office that day, he said, for you, I'm doing it for you. I said, just do it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That it's for me. You are doing it. But as God will have it, the marriage is stable now. It's so stable that, in fact, you look at them and you will never believe that they, they, they were That's at that problem. Yes. Yes. Like, this is ministry. That's this is ministry. The opportunity comes to you. Yeah. God brings them to you. You must recognize it and use it. Wow. Yeah, I think this is really profound. Yeah, what, true. what you just shared. Thank mm. you. Um, I, I, I wanted to also say that, you know, just like the example she gave, if her life did not demonstrate the values that she preached or taught or spoke about, mm -hmm. a person will not bring their spouse with marital issues course, to you. Yeah. So the point I really want to underscore is that, is that a life that is exemplary vetoes whatever you have to say. Hmm. It does. If your, if your life speaks the kind of message that you want to preach, it's more powerful. That life, your lifestyle, the way you live, the way you talk, the way you relate, the way you react, the way you respond to it, especially for a work environment where you cannot hide. Mm -hmm. 
You know, there are certain places you can't hide our car. You, you may hide in church because service is higher as two hours. Yeah. Then we share the grade. Everybody leaves till another seven days. Mm-hmm. But at work, you are there eight to four, eight to five, seven to six for some people. And in your marriage, those are places where you cannot hide. The most powerful way to preach the gospel, whatever gospel you want to preach, yeah. is through your life. It vetoes anything your mouth will say. And that's why my encouragement and our encouragement to our dear listeners, especially those who are in an organized work environment particularly, is to begin to trust God to live in the kind of way that without speaking, Mm -hmm. a person can say, your life inspired me, Mm -hmm. right? I know that sometimes we have already messed it up. Yeah. Maybe someone listening to us is saying, but me, they already know me in my office. I know where. <laughs> I know where. I scattered the place. You still have a unique opportunity to retrace those steps and begin to live the kind of life that you believe that God wants you to live because he vetoes anything you want to say. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Most powerful way to preach yeah. is through your life. That's right. Wow. I'm just, I'm, I've just been going over the line in my head and like, you don't even need to say anything, just mm. do it. People are watching. That's why Paul can, can confidently say, follow me. Mm-hmm. So I follow Christ. That's yeah. right. Where he can say that he, when, when I was with you, I walked with my hands mm-hmm. as an example for you. Mm-hmm. So, so that people see what, what he does and, and they do like he did. That's right. So, so you, you we've heard testimonies of people coming to someone that told you he, that he was waiting to hear how you explain before yes. he has his own opinion. Yeah. That was and then earlier I, I, I said that to him, what don't you do? I didn't mm-hmm. even know that marriage counseling was possible. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um okay, you also spoke about how as a person at your workplace, you are supposed to inspire people. So I think I want to ask, is there someone that inspired you maybe from the Bible or even at your workplace, your boss, your co-worker has started on Ktubi? Okay, yes, lots of people. Oh my God. <clears throat> Many people have inspired me. Yeah. Um, in my current job, even before this, members of this church especially, I don't even want to start mentioning names, mm. but I've been inspired by so many people. Um, I've been inspired by people who are excellent. I've been inspired by people who are hardworking. I've been inspired by people who are diligent. I've been inspired by people who are good speakers, who are good writers, who who have establishments. Um, I've been inspired by even people that I don't know personally like one-on-one i see them from afar or i watch their movies or i listen to their messages i've been inspired by them in fact there was a time because of how much i just i don't know i just loved speaking like public speaking so i listen to um commencement speeches a lot and um, convocation speeches a lot I, I would just google it any school i would just listen i just love the way they were presenting you know, the speeches and all. And I think somehow it inspired me to do better whenever I had the opportunity. Uh, and so when I stand before people, I see it as a unique opportunity to make a point and move. Mm. Honestly, because we really don't know how long we'll be here for. True. And every opportunity you have, use it well. Mm. Bang it when it's hot. Don't delay. Any opportunity you have to do anything, be excellent at it. You don't know what, how it will bless anybody. 
you may think that, well, I'm tired, I'm stressed out. If you do a shabby job, believe you me, that unique opportunity that you should have had, you may lose it. Because every time God is looking for a vessel that he can use to communicate his truth, his counsel, his desire um, to the world. So for me, a lot of such people have really, really inspired me uh quite a number of people i mean i'm a product of many graces to be honest and and i think that it's part of the advantage uh of being rooted in a kind of a church like this and i want to just encourage people don't look don't just look at the negatives of where you worship look at the advantages look at the kind of people god has placed around you i I can give you an example of one of them you know one of these our mentors a member of this church he's he's a close person to my wife and i and there was a time I was really going almost crazy because there was no money to pay house rent. Mm. And there was pressure everywhere. I was owing money here and there. It was really bad. So I was at the point of telling my wife that, look, if I told her, I said, look, I can't kill myself. We'll just move out of this house and we'll move to a smaller house in the Angwa. And even if it's those, I don't want to call the tribe that builds those kind of houses here in, in just for you to get, guess what I'm saying? Yeah. Those houses that you have to bend to enter. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we can lay our head for even say, yeah, I will not kill myself. My wife called this man as a, my husband is intervention. <laughs> <laughs> so he called me and he said, what's happening? I told him, I said, look, this is the issue. I'm just telling you how that person has inspired me so much yeah. that those values, yes now make a lot of meaning to me even at the workplace Mm -hmm. and he told me that is there anything that i've wanted to do that god did not provide for i said kaiser i said there's none in fact the person is unquiet let me just say (laughs) (laughs) yeah for me it's, it's an honor to mention his name because he has been instrumental in our lives in no small way yeah and then he said is there anything that god wanted to do with you that he did not provide for I said, there's nothing. So I say, why are you killing yourself? Say, how much is the rent? I told him. Say, how much do you have? He said, I told him. He said, let's trust God that he'll provide. It's not like he gave me all the money and said, take. Mm-hmm. No. But he walked me through that season of my life. And guess what? God provided that rent mm-hmm. in a way that was unimaginable. We paid and we lived in that house that, that following year. Now, that ability to trust God, I bring it to my workspace. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because you see, in the workspace, there is politics, there is tribalism, there is nepotism, there is favoritism. All those things exist in the workplace. All the isms are there in the workplace. (laughs) So your ability to trust God even to survive in your office, you need grace. Especially if you are existing, if you are working in a very, very complex setup. Because you know... Where Bible says that when 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 the, when the children of God gather, that the devil was there also. Mm. So forget faith based or non faith based. The devil tries to penetrate everywhere. The way God also wants to be represented. So so those values that I've learned from different people mm. have really helped me to be able to be stable, uh, even in my work life. Yeah. So you picked um, inspiration from here, there, there. Yes, so. And they made up, they make up the Uncle we know today. Yes, and they still do. <laughs> they still do. Okay. Yeah. So that's doing. What people that have inspired you? Okay, talking about um, inspiration, right? Yeah. Well, um, I think I went um, all the way through to when I was, um, when I enrolled for my master's at the University of Jersey. 
before I actually understood what the power of mentorship, mm. right? Mm. Before then, I, could, I can just say, well, a couple of people have inspired me, but not um, at least not on a scale that I can actually um, relate with and identify as proper mentorship. Yeah. And um, until I met my supervisor, Professor Lar at the University of Jazz, he picked an interest in me when I started my master's and somehow I got along quite well with him. And he stood out among several others because he wasn't that typical Nigerian lecturer mm. who felt that um, it was um, the relationship between the teacher, student should don't be cordial. Yeah. At least maybe you should approach them from a distance and you can't really relate properly. So that stood out for me and I quickly identified him as a role model for me. Mm. Um, he, he went all out to ensure that I, I, I got the materials for my uh, program and for the thesis and for everything. In fact, I, I, each time I thought of why he did what he did, mm. I just wonder. I said, wait, wait a minute. I don't understand why this man <laughs> decided to, to put himself so much in my life. Yeah. And he didn't want anything in exchange. Not mm. a single day. I remember an occasion when I took something to him to say thank you. And he said, please don't do this again. Mm. Don't just do this again. Wow. Mm. And I, it, it impacted my life so much that each time I thought of it, my relationship with my students today is because of what I had with him. Wow. Yes. The way I relate with my students is basically because of how he related with me and what he taught me. Mm. He told me that, look, if you don't get it right, if I don't put you through, mm. and if, if I don't give all mm. when I'm no longer here, Okay, then I would have gone away with some very important things True. that I'd not leave for anybody. Wow. So he, it, it was, it was deliberate about it. Mm. It was deliberate about mentoring, and he did it. And John, I realized that well, he, he wasn't doing it for only me. It was actually that was who he was. It's just that if you make yourself available, then so that was when I understood the power of mentorship, and I said no, I was not going to take it for granted, and I was not going to joke with it. I was going to make sure that I also emulate it and at least with my students if not any at least the ones that are, are directly under me maybe for supervision and project students or, yes so that's one but generally speaking i'm not one to actually like i'm not like toby okay? <laughs> <laughs> toby is like a sponge <laughs> yes it's quick to soak Absorb. up yes it's quick i'm not i'm not exactly like that oh, okay. but then when i see where I should at least get something from, I identify yes. it and I make sure I do. Oh, wow. yes. Unfortunately, to have two not similar individuals in this in this way. Yeah. Toby said he picks from here, here, there, and there. He even goes out. He said he goes to look for messages to okay. listen to people speak to read speeches, <laughs> how they do it, and that builds his inspiration. While well, for you, it was one lecturer who went out of his way, who went the extra mile to ensure that you had it. And that has inspired you to be a better lecturer. Mm -hmm. That has inspired you to do the same for your students. Yes. Because one person decided not to do what every other person was doing, but to be interested in the students. And, and, and of course, 
by by replicating what he has he had he has done to you, mm-hmm. several others are definitely learning from you. Certainly. And light is being spread in the, in the, in, the, in this manner. Mm. So for any other person out there who is in a position to make a difference, they can just like someone made a difference to Antoine's life, they can go that extra mile for someone. And of course, the effect is going to be great. Yeah. I think the point here is the need for us to be deliberate. Hmm. Because if he didn't reach out, I, will have, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Yes, I would, I'm the typical me. If he didn't reach out, I would have just stayed, stayed, on, yeah. own. stayed on my stayed own. own. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually did reach out and it made all the difference. So I think we need to be deliberate about this. It's not something that we say, okay, it's the ministry, and then we are hoping the people will find us somehow. Mm. We are to go looking for them. Yeah. We wait for a chance to bring them our way. Yes. I'm knowing that in life, as there are always positives and negatives, are there some challenges you faced while integrating your faith at your workplace? Zitoing. Challenges? Yeah. Not necessarily. You know, in Plateau State, we don't really have so much. Everybody's a Christian in church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few believers. Yes, everybody's a Christian. At least. <laughs> Almost everyone goes to church. Mm. So they're not likely to attack you or to resist whatever you have to say. But then you still have situations where you see people around you doing what is outrightly wrong. Mm. What is wrong and then you're faced with the challenge of Maybe they are your superiors and you really have to know how to go about, how do you handle this? Yeah. So you, you are, well, I've had such cases, or such instances where I would just say, well, God, how do I, how do I come in here? Yeah. And sometimes you have to also be careful so that they don't tag you, uh, self-righteous. Holy, holy. Holy, holy. Not necessarily, it doesn't really matter that they tag you, but yeah. then it's, you have to be careful so that it doesn't, um, hinder you from actually reaching them hmm. because sometimes that is what they put they put a wall when you know that okay if i do this this person will know that yeah. i'm not aha uh-huh. right. you understand mm-hmm. you can't sit. i don't I, I i just don't want what you have to say i don't want to hear i'm not interested so please keep whatever you hmm. view you have to yourself so how to pull down those walls yeah is what um can be quite challenging but then your life your life, the life you live, the example. When people can point at you and say that this person is different. Mm. When people can, when they're looking for excellence and they walk up to you and you like, okay, you w- w- need to get the job done. Why don't we call this person? Somehow we become like, <laughs> literally like somebody that's indispensable and somebody that they must relate with. Mm. Yes. Someone that they must listen to. Yeah. Someone that they will have to work with and they will love to work with. Mm. Okay. You have no so, choice but to work with. Yes. Yeah. Not just even no choice to work with. They really want to work with you because they know you can get it. You can deliver. Yeah. Yes. So they want to work with you. So that's the advantage you have and you leverage on it because most of the time you just find opportunities within to to give views, godly sound uh, views that somehow they will just have to take. Views that they will... And things that actually work. Hmm. Ideas that work. Ideas that... God will just whisper to you and you will just know that, okay, no, this, what I'm saying makes sense. And they also will have to admit that, yes, what you are saying is good. So they want to work. They enjoy having you on their team. Mm-hmm. They want to have you on their team all the time because they know that, okay, when this person is on the team, we get the work done. Yeah. And when this person is on the team, we get good counsel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somehow they listen to you. 
And if they listen to you, then there's a lot you can change. You may not change the person directly, but you can change how things work and how things are done. And somehow through that, you can also change the person. So it's it's my personal experience I'm talking about. How about you, Oh, yeah, challenges. I I, I think that the first of them is this divide I spoke about earlier. So whenever you, you want to bring some kind of impute, people feel like, look, this place is not church. You know, or this place is not for that. Let's just, this is strictly work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's on one hand. And then the fact that people feel like you, you too know. True. So when you want to present something, even if you are not talking scripture or whatever, yeah. uh, because it's not like I'm always talking scripture at work. <laughs> I mean, that's not the point really. <laughs> what ha- helps me is the principles of scripture is what I apply yeah, at work. Yeah. So I'm not always talking Bible, Bible, mm. John chapter. No. <laughs> I mean, but the point is they feel like, this guy is a perfectionist. He wants to tell us we are wrong mm. or he wants to keep pointing out this, 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 this. So those are already, like she said, those are barriers already. Yeah. And people do it intentionally mm. because they don't want you to point out what they are doing in error or what they are doing wrong. It's mm. just their defense mechanism. And it's like their iron dome. Mm. <laughs> All right. So, that, so that's the way it is. So, but, but then, uh, one of the things I've tried to do is to ensure that my inputs are valid, like they are valued. Okay. So even amidst those challenges, they listen. Mm. At least they listen. And I am not, I also try to measure what I say and how much I say so that when I talk, is I talk because it's important to talk mm. and my input is measured. Those are ways I've been, I've tried over time to overcome these challenges. So when I'm about to speak, you know, the Bible says that even the fool is deemed wise when he's silent. Yeah. Uh-huh. So is that I don't always, I'm not the always talking, talking. Mm. I crack jokes and all, but you only make input, especially in strategic conversations when you must. So that whenever you are speaking, they know that, no, this guy, we should listen to him. It's that kind of a thing. So I think that has also helped a lot. Both of you had the same mm. response, such that when you are excellent at what you do, they would listen. Yes. When, you are, when you've trusted God for wisdom and he gives you wisdom to, to contribute to discussions, to bring ideas that work, they will listen to you. That's right. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so in a way to like wrap this up, um, how do we maintain or how can someone that's talking of our listeners now, how can they maintain a strong Christian identity at work? Okay. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think that you should not pretend Okay. be who you are. And I also think you should declare your identity on time. Mm. When you get into a space, just, well, just be yourself. I feel like if you are a Christian and you know the Lord, you will not need to be declaring your identity self because it's, it's just your, you are just being you. Yeah. Uh So sometimes we need to declare those things because Maybe in future you may mess up. <laughs> so it's better let them know who I am or, so that when I'm messing up, they can know. No, there is no need for it. Okay. If you are this, that's what you are. Mm. Every time, that's who you are. You have just one face. Mm. Uh, if you are if you are an honest person, 
You are an honest person everywhere. They say a person who says the truth does not need to remember anything. Mm. What that means is that you don't keep dates in your head. There are some people that their age in school is different from their real age <laughs> and their age at work. <laughs> so they will need so when they meet you, they try to remember the last age they told you they were. Yeah. It doesn't you don't have two birthdays. It's just one, except the second one is your born again date. <laughs> <Probably>. So <laughs> I, I mean the point is that you don't need to fake anything yeah. if you are being real. And I really think that the real point is that oftentimes we have not really encountered the Lord. If you do, your life never remains the same, man. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there was nothing you could tell Apostle Paul, aka Saul of Tarsus, mm. that will make him change his mind. What he saw was what he saw. Yeah, his encounter was the encounter. So he's not pretending to you. In fact, you can't make him. The environment cannot change him because he had an encounter. So I think that if we really know the Lord and we love Him truly. We will not be, we will not need to be begged to become the right people at yeah. work. It will just naturally emanate. So anywhere you are, whether you are in the market, you are in the office, wherever, just be who you are. Be that nice person. Be that welcoming person. Be that kind person. Be that loving person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to carry the Bible every time. saying Jesus did this in John chapter five. It will turn a lot of people off. So be strategic. Let your personal welcome people. Let it invite people. Let let people want to be with you always. That's the kind of person we should always want to be. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Nice. Um. Refer to Matthew five. Okay. Be salt. And what? Light. 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 Um. We must be. They say being. Okay? There's a state of being. There's also doing. Okay? We must do. Mm. We must preach. Right? Yeah. We must preach the word of God. But before we preach, we cannot be, we cannot witness if first we are not witnesses. Mm. Right? Yeah. We have to, you have to, we have to be witnesses for us to actually witness. Sometimes we tend to want to tell people about Jesus. Okay? When we our lives say things to the contrary. Mm. So we need to understand that place of being. Being who God wants us to be. Light, salt. And then doing what God wants us to do. Witnessing. Okay? Yeah. To every creature. To the utmost part of the earth, we must get to that point where we, um, at, your, at our places of work, we we cannot put one before the other. We cannot also place one above the other. Mm. We have to understand our roles as witnesses. And once we are witnesses and we people see us, they understand that this is who we are. We don't even need to say much. Yeah. Mm. We don't need to say much. We don't need to to talk. We don't need to say much before people will know what we stand for. When they are taking certain decisions, they know what we stand for even before they hear our views. Yeah. They know who you are and what you stand for and whom you proclaim. Okay? So, I think that's just it. Ensuring that we are who we are meant to be. Before we attempt 
to tell them what we have been asked to tell them. So um, this question of um, professionalism and balance, there's I read I read, I read of a, a health worker in the UK that was sanctioned or punished because she was praying for her patient who was not who didn't believe in who was not who was not of the same faith with her. Mm. So um, in that situation, like how in in such a situation, how do we balance your expressing your faith or with being professional? It's quite challenging to live in those kind of environments, but then you must create a balance. And most of the time, that is where we have to separate between um, the work of evangelism and our roles in God's transformation agenda. Mm. I think when we talk about evangelism, it's like that's the wider um, concept in God's agenda. Yeah. The concept of sharing, okay, outreach and um, all what. But... The other thing that we need to know that, yes, we have a place and we have a role is this trans, the, the, trans, the, the, the process of actually living out what we believe, okay? We're in a society where you can't pray for somebody who is ill, or you can't even mention Jesus Christ. Yes, I've heard somebody say that in the U.S., right, uh, that um, in, their, in their high schools. So when she went to visit her sister, her sister told her that, please, whatever you do, don't mention Jesus here. I will lose my job on account of that because they will say, who is she here to see? And they say, it is you. Then that's all. That's all it takes. Why is your sister here to talk about Jesus? Because whatever you do, please don't mention Jesus in this place. Okay? So the only way out in those kind of societies, sometimes you know that it's quite difficult in those societies, but then we are either working, and those people <coughs> themselves, they will seek you out. The people that are longing Mm-hmm. for the truth they are hungry for to hear to they, they, they are thirsty for the truth they don't even know what the truth is yeah. you understand what i'm saying yes. they don't know what it is but they know that there's something there's something. a vacuum in their lives and somehow the light that you shine forth the light that you shine forth is something they will not miss mm-hmm. they will they will not miss it so they will they, they will they will veer towards it they will seek it out then you, that's when you identify that it's an opportunity to do something differently. It's, it, it has to be non-personal between you and the person. I don't know whether when, you, when, the, when the person has given a consent, okay, go ahead and pray for me. You will still be sanctioned for that. But possibly the person pray without the person's without consent. consent. Yes. yes. Very so you ask, can I, pray for, can I pray with you? Mm-hmm. Can I pray for you? Somebody's heart is yearning. For something, somebody who cares. Yeah. And then you are now expressing, you're not showing you, I care, but this is my own way of caring. This is the only answer I have. This is all I have. This is the balm I have. Can yeah. I use it? Yeah. And then the person this now opens up and says, please go right ahead and use it. Because that person is hurting. Yeah. And the person is actually looking for respite. Mm. So, but you have something to offer and you offer it. But in, in the society, you have to know that you, you, you do it within the context of society. Do I do it? Um, do I have your approval to do it? Do I have your consent? Go ahead, write ahead. And I don't think anybody will be sanctioned for that. Yeah. yeah. Just to add, you've said it very beautifully, Ma. Uh, just to add that we also need to be, we need to be sensitive to how God is leading for setting things to be done, right? Because sometimes we also get very dramatic unnecessarily, sure. right? For example, 
you don't have to be dramatic in praying for a patient. <laughs> that is true, right? You can, and you don't have to close your eyes and be doing like this. You don't need to. You can hold the person's hand or even just pray with eyes open and you know that you're making declarations. Yeah. I, I, I know a health worker in this city of Joss and as she's giving injections, she's praying. Now, except you come very close, you will not know that she's praying. She says, I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. Because she gives this uh, very special kind of injection for uh, people with cardio issues and all. So she's praying for the people. And most of the people that go there are, are, are unbelievers, mm-hmm. right? That's her ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, we also, the other, the flip side of it is this. And I know that a lot of people may not be comfortable with what I'm about to say. But it's the reality of our faith. Yeah, It's not every time that it's going to be rosy. Sometimes it costs us a lot of things to be Christians. This faith, right, mm-hmm. that was handed over to us, it cost the lives of people, mm-hmm. right? So it's not every time. <clears throat> so if the Lord <laughs> is leading in that way, then you also need to count the cost and know that there are implications for this thing. So, are, but there is also the eternal value that it carries because sometimes you may lose a job, but there's a peace you have that mm-hmm. heaven gained a soul. Right, and that one soul you never can tell. Honestly, you never can tell. Mm-hmm. We are told that the crusade that there was a crusade that was organized many years ago in the U.S. And after when they made the altar call, only one person came out. Imagine spending money on a huge crusade. Mm-hmm. Only one person came out. We are told that that one person was Billy Graham. Now think about it. <laughs> One person, it was a seed. Imagine the kind of souls, the number of souls that Billy Graham brought to the kingdom yeah. of God. What I'm saying is that sometimes the eternal value of the soul that we win for the Lord, we don't even know. And it weighs much more than whatever job we would have kept at the expense of that soul. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, if let's keep yourself the spirit. It's not an easy call for anybody. Mm-hmm. But if the spirit is leading you to isolate that person, have a, a brief conversation or to preach, then if you know that if I miss this one minute, I've missed it, then you trust God and leave the rest in his hand. And I know that he will always make a way for his people. Thank you very much for honoring our invitation. Through the episode, there were some many things that stood out for me. Um, you mentioned that the, the most important way to preach is through your life, living a life of excellence. And then when Antonia was talking about the person that inspired her, she, she was very, she meant she, she repeated it and said it was he that reached out mm. that, that on her own she would have been in her lane, but he reached out. So someone went the extra mile. That's right. And he, 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 he yielded a very positive fruit in her life. So in, all we're doing at work, we should be excellent. And we shouldn't see work as just a, a place to earn money, but a place that God has kept us for his own purpose, to be salt and to be light. That's right. So thank you very much for coming. Thank you, Dalipa, for co-hosting. Oh, it was my pleasure. I really enjoyed myself. <laughs> and thank you to both of our guests today for their valuable insights on new types this week. Thank you to our co-hosts for a job well done. And thank you for listening to the show today. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to Youth Vibes wherever you get your podcasts. Turn on notifications as well so that you don't miss a single episode. You can send in your thoughts or feedback using the link at the end of the episode description. Or if you'd like, send us an email at youth4epc at gmail.com. That's Y-O-U-T-H number 4 E-P-C at gmail.com. 
This episode of Youth Vibes was produced and mixed by yours truly in collaboration with Ecopanti Church Youth Fellowship. Our theme music is by Basho Adam. Special thanks to Ernest Nankon. That's it for the show this week. We'll see you right here next week.